Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. We have a great show today because it's game week. We have games to talk about. I'm joined once again by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, it's getting real, man. Going through game schedules, seeing when games are happening, who's playing who. It's a lot of exciting stuff. Yeah, it's the time for talk is over as much as we enjoy doing it. Uh, we, we said on previous shows that as we would continue on, it would feel more real, and uh, it's finally here. So it's, it's as exciting as it's ever been. Well, that's right, Mitch. We're going to talk about some games in this week one of the spring football schedule. Then we're also going to talk about the uh, coaches' preseason polls, which came out. Coaches from around the state were polled on their top – 15, I believe, from each class, eight through one. A lot of local teams, a lot of teams on the western side of the state getting some love. So we'll go through them. And then in the second half of our show, I'm really excited for an interview with Dan Pearson. A lot of people listening to this will know who Dan Pearson is. If you're from outside of the Quad Cities area and you're not too sure, Dan Pearson is uh, now a member of FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, does great work for them, covering our high school athletes on the western side of the state, a lot in the Three Rivers kind of area. Before that, he was a sports anchor and sports reporter at KWQC-TV in the Quad Cities. And Mitch, they had a show on Friday nights. They still have a show on Friday nights that Dan Pearson created back in the early 90s called The Highlight Zone. Now, a lot of places, a lot of TV markets have since come up with TV shows on Friday nights, and they've been doing that for, you know, for a long time. But what Dan Pearson did was really different and really kind of set the tone. I mean, they weren't covering four or five games on a Friday night. Back in the early 90s and now through today, they kind of set the standard for we're going to 15 to 18 to 20 games on a Friday night. And now you see that at WQAD, WHBF Channel 4 does a good job in the Quad Cities, and you see it everywhere now, in, you know, in, in Rockford and in Peoria. But I really think that KWQC and Dan Pearson really kind of set the bar. You grew up in Morrison. You saw it growing up. You watched the Highlight Zone. You were on the Highlight Zone playing in high school, and then you interned for the Highlight Zone. Mitch, tell me about what it means to you and what you remember about the Highlight Zone in your childhood and in your high school years. Yeah, and we, you know, we kind of touched on this on one of the first episodes that I was on. That's, that's where you and I had, had met um, more than 10 years ago. But yeah, like you said, it was one of those things where uh, growing up, there wasn't like, you know, we didn't have a whole lot. Of, social media wasn't really a thing back, you know, that's almost 15 years now, 16, 17 years ago. If it was around, it wasn't as big as, as it is now. Um, and so really your local TV was where you had the chance to uh, be on. And that was so cool if you were on the sidelines and you, you could see it from a mile away. You know, you could see them walking from wherever the entrance was, if it was, if it was Dan or whoever it was, and they had camera in tow and, and you just, you, you perked up. Like you knew if it was a big game, and even if it wasn't, maybe it was just a game that they were passing by uh, on the way back to the station. Um, but you, you knew the cameras were around, so to speak. Um, and even when and I touched on this last time too, when that transitioned into interning there, I used the word surreal. And that's, that's what it was because you go into and you see what goes on 
in that, a show like that, that you would never even know, you wouldn't expect to know, and you wouldn't even be able to anticipate what goes into a show, you know, of that magnitude and the work that goes into it. Um, so yeah, Dan was, was wonderful to work with, uh, a local legend, um, a lot of great memories with him, and I'm excited to hear that interview. Yeah, so uh, coming up later in the show, we'll talk to Dan Pearson, and like you kind of touched on, we'll talk a lot about what went into planning a Friday night and what it what it was like to be a media member, a photographer like myself, or, you know, like Dan's position, being the anchor who had to run on the set at, you know, 10:15, scrambling to get his tie cinched up and get the, you know, highlights ready and get the script ready. And we'll talk about all that went into it and also about what he did that made his show, made the Highlight Zone a little bit different. You know, he was using news anchors to read highlights and the weatherman to read some highlights. And he was getting student sections involved and showing the band and showing cheerleaders and just a lot of stuff that had never been done before and really had really kind of, like I said earlier, kind of set the standard for what Friday night highlight shows can look like and really be. So it, it's a great interview. So, you know, everybody make sure to stick around and listen to all that Dan Pearson has to say, because it's just really good stuff. He's one of the best people that you'll ever meet. He's just such a great guy. So I, I'm excited to, that we were able to get him on the show, but Mitch, Let's jump into some, we got some rankings, some preseason coaches poll put out. Coaches around the state, around the IHSA were polled and asked to give their top 10, top, actually top 15 lists for each conference or for each uh, class. And let's go through them. We got a lot yep. of teams that got a lot of, um, you know, getting a lot of love here from the Western side of the state. So I think we'll start, uh, you know, we'll start up top. We'll start in 7A and a uh, team we're familiar with that we've talked about, Moline, right? Yeah, Moline, uh, the local, uh, the, the lone uh, a team that is at least in those, those top 15 rankings. Um, and we'll see it, if they can make another run in the Western Big Six, see if they can overtake Sterling. Um, obviously, we've talked about the uniforms before. Maybe that new white helmet is going to lead the way. Maybe that's what they were missing. So uh, excited to see. We're going to talk about them in a little bit on, the, on a very important week one, week one matchup. Uh, but yeah, Moline coming in at number 14 in 7A preseason, and uh, they're going to look to move up in that, that list. All right. Well, hey, I'll let you take over and kind of start going through, going down our list here. What do we got in 6A? Well, the aforementioned week one matchup, it's going to be Rocky. Uh, so you'll have both of the number 14 teams uh, in 6A, which is Rocky, 7A, which is Moline in that week one. We'll get into that. Uh, but Rocky sits there in that top 15 in 6A. Um, and again, much like Moline, they're going to see if they can start moving up um, and, and overtake Sterling for that top, uh, that top spot. Moving down the list into 5A, um, another very familiar team from the Western Big Six. Uh, Sterling ends up at number nine. Yep. First, uh, first top 10, at least that we're talking about here with Sterling, the, uh, the defending champs in the conference. Uh, coming in strong at number nine and 5A. Obviously, they're going to keep trying to, uh, uh, to build on the success of last year. They'll have a tough task. They've got, as, you, as we just talked about, you've got teams that are in higher divisions in the same conference. They took them down last year. They're going to try and do it again. Yeah, the thing that you mentioned before we went on here today is that when you look, start looking down this list, and I don't want to give it away, but you got teams being ranked from up as high as 7A down to Class 3A. So yeah. there is a wide margin now in the Western Big Six, you know, depending on size of enrollment from year to year. Um, so th there's a wide variety, but teams being recognized, which I think is a great thing for the conference, a great thing for this Western side of the state. Going down to Class 4A, I don't believe we have anybody really on the Western side of the state. So we skipped down to Class 3A. We got a couple teams, uh, one that we just talked about. 
Yeah, uh, another another Western Big Six. We're, st we're still in the conference so far. Yeah, uh, Alden checks in at number eight in three A. Um, you know they've they've kind of switched um, classes in the past, and, and obviously that's all dependent on class sizes and, and qualifiers or or uh, magnifiers, whatever they whatever they call it. Sometimes I, the, I don't know the how multiplier they do that. and yeah, multiplier. Yeah, there, yeah. That was yeah, that was the word I was looking for. So uh, so Almond, yeah, another top ten uh, listing here in the preseason three A, uh, and, and they're they are overtaken by. Uh, another local team, uh, another team that's looking to to get to that just final step in the process, try and get to that last level, and that's that's Princeton, uh, the defending uh, Three Rivers Mississippi champs. Um, a big week one matchup that we're going to talk about. I was going to say we got we got yeah, some breaking to, news. Not yeah, not to tease it, but we're, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, but Princeton number two and three A. Yeah, and then we get into uh, two class two A and uh, very familiar name up top. Well, not up top, but at number three. Right. Yeah. A, a team that you always expect to not be much further down than three. It was Sterling Newman. So yeah. the comments checking in at the, the top local spot at number three and two A. Uh, two other additions in that in that top 15. Uh, at number 10, rounding out the top 10 is Knoxville and followed uh, shortly or closely after at Orion at number 13. And good to see Knoxville getting some respect in here statewide because they had a really good year back in 2019. So it's good to see that that was recognized. And, you know, I said a familiar name up top. And I think what I mean is I kind of feel like Newman's getting a little slighted here. Like they're the defending 2A state champs and yet they fall at three. Like, yeah. And I know St. Teresa and Moreau Forsyth are nothing to sneeze and nothing to slouch at, but Newman's a defending state champ. Yeah, well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk talk poorly on any teams further south than where we are, but they have met northern teams before down the road, and their fate is has been sealed. Let's so to say. So you don't need to put any more uh, fuel in the fire for Newman. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they attack the season. Yeah, and Monmouth, Moreau, Forsyth has had their success, but to your point, yeah, when Newman's gone up against teams from other areas, they they usually fare pretty well. And Moreau yeah. Forsyth has done some good work in class 1A. And I'm not sure if they've won a 2A state title, but they've certainly had success as a program. Uh, let's move down to 1A where there is just all of our teams sprinkled throughout the top 15. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eight, eight local or at least eight teams in the, uh, in the listening area, I should yep. say. Yep. Um, you know, you don't have to look any further than, than this area for the best football in, in small school, Illinois, because uh, I've got eight teams listed in this top 15 if you will um and really it's just it's it's murderer's row it's anyone's game led off by the defending champs lena winslow um sitting there at number one where they finished last season off yep closely behind them another team that we were talking about uh kind of in the same kind of princeton they're looking to just make that final step they're right there to see if they can if they can climb a little further number two is at weathersfield uh, uh incredible attacking offense coming back it'll be interesting to see what they can do well, that's, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because with everything they have coming back, and I know, I know Lena Winslow is the defending state champions, but with everything Anawan Weathersfield has returning as much as they have from a team last year that was so good and gave Lena Winslow a decent game. It was a 14-point game, but it was competitive in the second half. Man, I could see them being tied for one or being the number one overall preseason ranked team. It's hard to not give it to the defending champs, but man, this one would be one that it made me think. Yeah. Um, and even we've got teams at three and four too. So this is, as we said, it's, it's it could be any, if, if this was a full season, if this is what this looked like in the fall, assuming that the fall is going to be a full season, this would be incredibly 
exciting to watch every single week to see how these teams fare. And hopefully the rankings will look, you know, somewhat similar uh, when we get there. Um, but number three is Freeport-Aquin, another team that has, has long-lasting success. Um, and they good have, to see them. Yep, they've had a high-powered offense the last couple years. And um, they played – I think they lost um, to Fulton a couple years ago in the play, or in 19. You know, seems like a couple years ago now. Yeah. But when uh, the last time we had football – and uh, that's a Fulton team that is also in these rankings down the list. Yep. So Aquin, I think, has some real pieces coming back. So I think they're a team to watch for. Um, and then keep going down the list. We got more. Yeah, yeah. The top four all in our, our listening area. This is a, a you know a team that was in the quarterfinals last year that only had one loss in the season. That was to Weathersfield in a close game that came down to the very final plays of that game. That's Morrison, uh, you know, two-time state champs in recent years, trying to build off that success from last year. And then, yeah, rounding out the top 15, you've got Stockton at number eight, Forrest in at 11. You mentioned Fulton there at number 12. And kind of in that receiving votes watch list is Orangeville. So by my count, that's eight in the top 15 or so uh, in 1A. Uh, and that's, that's incredible football right there. That's right. And actually, as you were finishing up that list, I just noticed that Princeville from the Lincoln Trail Conference is also in teams to watch for in week one. So teams that are kind of right on the bubble of being inside that top 15. So just a wealth of talent in this area. They, I mean, we say it every year. There, you know, there is. And it starts with the Northwest Upstate Illini. That, yep. that conference year in and year out is so competitive. And teams perform in the playoffs. Those teams get in there. And outside of beating themselves, there's usually a team that's playing in Champaign or DeKalb every year. And when they get there, they don't lose very often. Mm -hmm. They usually come away mm -hmm. with, you know, the, the big trophy. Right. So um, great list to go right. through. And just like you said, a lot of talent here and it's going to make for a lot of fun football. And it starts this week. You know, we yep. got football coming up this Friday and Saturday. So I, I say we just start going through and kind of breaking down, you know, the games coming up. And I tell you, it's been so long since I've been able to go to the IHSA website <laughs> and like look through weekly game schedules. It was just like, I did the it's, same thing. I did the same thing. It's the nerdiest thing ever, but man, it was like, <laughs> I, I just, it was Christmas come looking through this list. So, yeah. uh, you know, let's start with, um, you know, let's start with the Northwest Upstate Illini. Like we talked about um, one of the big games that stuck out to me, uh, Freeport Aquin and uh, actually a team that we missed. Um, we should have mentioned in uh, class three, a, I believe they were in there. If they weren't, they certainly should be. Um, Dupec, which is Duran Pecatonica, they're in the teams to watch. They were not in okay. the, the preseason rankings, but they're in the teams to watch. It's uh, Freeport Aquin going up against Dupec in week one. Both teams, playoff teams from a year ago, have some returning talent like we discussed. And that's a Saturday game at 11 a.m. So that's a great way to start the conference football season out there in the Northwest Upstate Illini. Going down the list, uh, Galena is at Eastland Pearl City. That's a Saturday 7 o'clock game. Uh, an, an old classic rivalry in the NUIC Stockton at Milledgeville. That's, that's a game for me. I love, I, I love that yeah. game any year, no matter what the teams are doing. That's, that's a fun one. And this yep. is going to be Milledgeville's last season doing 11 man football. They will go to eight man starting next year. So mm -hmm. something to note there. And the other one uh, team we just referenced Orangeville is uh, playing East Dubuque in that first, uh, in that first week, we got another, we got another game, Mitch. I think it's I think it's time to I think it's time to bust it out. We heard the news announced this week. Lena Winslow playing at Princeton. Mm -hmm. 
it had been talked about, kind of rumored on Twitter, and yeah. me and you were texting back and forth like, they got to make this happen. This has yeah. got to happen. Yeah. I'm so excited it is because like you talked about, this is in class 3A, the number two ranked team in the preseason polls versus the top team in the 1A polls mm-hmm. in Lena Winslow. It's what we want in this weird spring season. When there's an opening yeah. available, let's do it. Let's make it happen. How, how right. exciting is this? Talk about it. Well, even, even some backstory on this. Um, it, it started with Princeton was looking for a week one opponent. I, I don't know who they were playing or what the circumstances were, but they, uh, they put on on Twitter that, hey, we're looking for a week one opponent. You know, if you know anybody, you know, here's my contact information for the coach. Um, and, and right away, like, <laughs> if, if it was us, if it was anybody, it's like, you guys should play Lena because Lena has an opening. Yep. And I, and I don't want to take credit for anything, but I'm going to say that you and I had this first and we sat on it. We didn't want to break the information. <laughs> I don't want to say how we got it, but I think we had this first. Um, and so it's exciting that they did announce it. Uh, and like you said, you've got the defending champs in the top team in 1A playing against the team that is a contender in 3A. So, uh, you know, the, the class differentiation aside, um, two of the absolute powers of the area um, agreeing to play. And that's, that's something that I hope happens more this season. Um, you know, if, if coach or if teams are going to play four or five, six games and they have the opportunity for an opening, I hope they don't just wash that week away. One, for obviously so the kids can get as much playing time as they can. But two, when else are you going to have an opportunity like this to look for games? Um, and, and just it kind of turns into like a dream scenario kind of mentality like – What's stopping in a season like this where results don't, you know, quote unquote, don't really matter. What's stopping Newman from playing Sterling? What's stopping Morrison from playing Rock Falls? You know, those teams play uh, every other sport, you know, just things like that. I hope that if, if teams have an opening, and again, I hope that they don't because I hope teams stay healthy and everything, but if, if circumstances come up that they have an opening week, I hope that they at least try and find another team that is like that. We did that. It happened my junior year in high school. We had an opening date and it was in the middle of the season. And it just so happened that Tuscola had an opening at an opening date the same Friday. Oh, wow. So, so we were in two way Tuscola was in one a, yeah. and I don't know the circumstances that why they had an opening, an opening, but uh, it was cool. We didn't know anything about Tuscola. I don't even think we got film on them. Yeah. And that might've been the first time that the shotgun was ran in the three rivers. So it was cool <laughs> to see a team like that come in. Uh, they, they destroyed us. They absolutely destroyed us, but it didn't matter because we both won that week uh, via forfeit. There you go. There you go. Well, let's, you know, looking down some, uh, you know, a little bit of the insights to Princeton this year, like we've talked about, they got a lot coming back. It starts with all state running back Rondé Worrells. He's already the program's all time leading rusher. You know, I talked to head coach Ryan Pearson earlier in the year, and they're, they're just, you know, they know there's no playoffs on the line here, but just grateful to be back with all this talent that gets six more games, you know, to, to suit up and to, and to go after it. So really glad that, you know, Rondé Worlds gets an opportunity to go up against a big-time opponent like Lena Winslow, you know, in, in a different class, but still mm-hmm. a very formidable opponent. That's really exciting. Um, they also returned their quarterback, Tyler Gibson, from a year ago. And a really good lineman, uh, Grant Foes, will be in the mix too. So they, you know, they have those skill positions and they have the line, you know, position coming back. They have people on both so that they have a lot of talent there. Looking over to Lena Winslow, they've lost Sean Ormiston and Isaiah Bruce. Those two were dynamic playmakers who 
did a ton for Lena Winslow. They do return Jennings Dunker, though. He was a force on the line. He's another Iowa commit. Looking at the quarterback position, they do return Luke Benson, but they also have Evan England transferring in from Wheaton Warrenville South. So I think there is some question to who will be starting there. Um, listening to NUIC football and Kyle Campmeyer doing their thing. They talked about several offensive weapons returning for Lena Winslow, one of which is Mari Roby, a running back. You know, no surprise that Lena Winslow has plenty of football talent just waiting to prove themselves. Overall, I'm just really excited for this game. To see the classes cross over like this with teams that are this good is really exciting stuff. It's just great that they made it happen. Yeah, in, in lieu of, you know, not seeing, you know, playoff matchups and, and you know, kind of those, not to say that conference games aren't big, because they obviously are, but, you know, those just, these two programs who might not see each other that much, if they see each other maybe in the playoffs, but Lena and Princeton certainly wouldn't be in the different classes, but this is one of those superstar games that is great to have in lieu of, of a postseason. Yep. Well, let's head over to the uh, Lincoln Trail. Um, game starting out. In this first week, in week one, Princeville is playing at Mercer County. Technically, they're playing at United Township. They've moved the game to UT for the turf there. Um, Ridgewood is opening at Stark County on Saturday. Um, that one could be a good one. Stark County trying to get back, you know, to where they've been in years past. And Ridgewood is kind of an up-and-coming program. So, you know, they're kind of meeting somewhere in the middle here. So, I think that one will be an interesting follow. Uh, also, you got United at Mid-County on Saturday. The game I'm really interested in is Ottawa Marquette traveling to Anawan Weathersfield. You know, we know plenty about Anawan Weathersfield. Um, they got Colton Quagliano coming back. They got Reese Grip coming back. Um, a few other weapons from the offense and defensive side of the ball. They're going to be a great team. It's another mm -hmm. team like Princeton. It's unfortunate that we don't have playoffs this year because I think this Anawan Weathersfield team was a team that was – prime to make a run to a state title. I think they knew it. I think everybody looking at it kind of knows it. But like we've discussed, they get what's in front of them. The opportunity that's yep. in front of them is six games. And here we go. The interesting matchup with Ottawa Marquette. Now, Ottawa Marquette is an independent team now. Their conference dissolved a year ago. So now competing independently, they stepped in and filled the role that West Central had originally filled when, a, when they went to eight-man. So it left an opening for this one year. It's only a one-year situation because next year, A-Town and Knoxville fill into the Lincoln Trail. So if you could follow all that mapping <laughs> and, you know, switching around, that's where we're at. So presents this interesting week one matchup. Ottawa Marquette, who's been a perennial 1A playoff team. They've made several semifinal appearances over the past few years going up against a very good Anawan Weathersfield team. So, you know, it's fun. It's another opportunity that, you know, this one didn't happen necessarily because of this interesting spring. It was set up anyway, but it's a right. great one year. You know, it's a great way to start off this spring season to see kind of where Anawan Weathersfield is at and then also see what can Marquette do. You know, I think they're a good team, but this is a tough task. Yeah, and, and like we've, we've talked about um, with this spring session, it's a chance for these teams and even Ottawa, if, they, if they're just kind of going to be in this kind of, one-year situation they've got this time to really prove themselves and, and really set themselves up for the fall get, get prepared for summer ball and get prepared for fall ball so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they handle it and uh, that's that's a pretty good week one matchup to, to see what they're what they got yeah it's um you know a little unfortunate for 
Marquette, because of the spring season being so condensed and being squeezed in between other seasons, and Marquette being a smaller school, um, they have two running backs um, that would have been very productive that are both sitting out football to save for baseball. They're two baseball players. Marquette won a state baseball title in 2019. Mm -hmm. So, you know, two kids that are probably going to play baseball in college. So I think that that's kind of where their head's at. And I, you know, I really can't blame them when it comes to which sport you got to pick. If football is your long-term or baseball is your long-term option, then it's unfortunate, but football may get squeezed out. Um, mm -hmm. They do return a uh, Shane Reynolds, who's a running back who will be, um, should be very productive for them. And the big man is uh, Victor Mullins, who's a tight end for Marquette um, committed to Louisville. So, you know, big time um, commit there. It's a matter of what can they do with him and do they have enough around him? Um, you know, there's some pieces that need to be filled in. Marquette's always going to have a fairly productive line play and they're going to have somebody that produces out of the running back position. They run a wing tee. It's coach Yupst who's run a very similar system for a long time. I mean, he going mm -hmm. back to, you know, Morrison in the early eighties and even before that, um, you know, he's a veteran coach. He'll find a way to get some stuff done, but this is certainly a tough matchup for them in week one. Let's look at uh, the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. They don't start in full this week. They got kind of a, you know, a, a half start here. Hall at St. Bede. So local rivals there, Spring Valley Hall mm -hmm. and St. Bede just down the road. Uh, Morrison at Riverdale. So a team that we've seen ranked, uh, I believe, number four in the preseason coaches poll. They got a lot, of, a lot to live up to from last year. You know, that team right. really set the bar high. And I think they had a lot of graduation last year. Um, a lot of kids that produced for them are now, you know, in college. So what can they do? You know, can they maintain, can coach Ryan Odding keep the, you know, keep the Mustangs trending in the right direction. And for coach guy Derrick's at Riverdale, same thing, you know, they've slowly been producing, being more competitive. Can they take the next step as well? And then another big matchup in the three rivers, a really interesting one. This is always a rivalry game that comes usually down to the final minutes Rock Ridge at Orion Saturday at one o'clock. So, you know, wasting no time with the rivalry games. we got one more we're going to talk about in a minute. But, yep. you know, it comes to local rivalries. Rock Ridge and Orion is certainly a great one to start with. Uh, both teams, playoff teams a few years ago. Chip Filler always has his guys going. And Coach Henry at Rock Ridge, a new head coach stepping in. You know, I believe that that's going to be a good matchup. Um, one thing to note, um, Newman does not start this week defending 2A state champions. They're actually doing a four-game schedule. So they will start the following week against Bureau Valley. Uh, Coach Kretzmer talked about, you know, the numbers at Newman and the Titans schedule. He felt like he didn't want to shortchange his basketball kids who mm. didn't want to have to make that choice to step off the court and start playing football right away. But then also he pointed to the spring and those spring sports really were shortchanged a year ago. They completely missed their season. They didn't mm -hmm. even get a chance to compete. So I think he's kind of leaning towards let's get some football work in and then let those guys play that sport that they didn't get a chance to do the year before. So I commend him for right. that. It's a, it's an interesting decision. It's a tough decision. All right. So Mitch, that leaves the big schools in the Western big six. We'll start running down the list here. United township traveling to Quincy, see if Nick Welch and his team can get things going in the right direction. It's always a tough trip down to Quincy though. So, you know, see what they can do there. I think there's potential there for the Panthers. Galesburg going up against Geneseo at Geneseo. Two teams that were not playoff teams a year ago. Can they get things moving, build some positive momentum? Maybe not for this year, but heading into the following fall. We also have Sterling 
at Rock Island. Allman, that game will be played on Saturday at Rock Island High School. But Sterling, you know, what more can you say about them? They're defending Western Big Six champions. So mm-hmm. they certainly want to keep things moving in the right direction. And Allman, another team getting a lot of respect around the state in that coaches poll, in that preseason rankings. So that should be an interesting one. But I think the one that stuck out to both of us, Rock Island versus Moline at Rock Island High School for week one. It's just, it is the rivalry in the Western Big Six. It may be the rivalry, one of the best around the state. Really exciting because it's two teams that are right there. They're knocking mm-hmm. on the door. And it's really great to see them squaring off in week one. Yeah, Rocky and Moline, two of the biggest rivals in the listening area. Uh, good to see that, uh, one, that they're playing, obviously, this year in the short season, but that they're going to play the first game uh, is, is incredibly exciting. Both teams get to go up against uh, kids that they probably know, kids that they've probably trained against and grown up with, uh, and it's finally time to, uh, to put it to the test on the field. Uh, so you always like to see these rivalry games, and even in week one, it just makes it that much sweeter. Well, like we've talked about, there's so many things that are different in the spring schedule. This is certainly different. Normally, the Western Big Six, you're going to get non-conference games before you get into conference play. So to start out with your biggest rival, I don't know, what is, what is that? What do you think that's like as a player, as a coaching staff? Like, there's a lot of expectation coming into a rivalry game, but if you're not on the right end of it, you got to hit the reset button real quick. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that in a normal season, you know, if you had the fall schedule, let's just play it that way. If, if this was game was week one in the fall, these guys would have all spring, all summer, looking at that week one on the schedule. It probably, it's probably in the weight room. It's probably a reminder in their phone. Like, it would be right there, and they would have all of that work going into that week one matchup. So it's a little bit different here in the spring, but I think the excitement uh, is, is going to be no less than it would be. Looking at what each team has coming into this game, the interesting note is that Moline is adding a transfer, Alec Ponder. Ponder will be a quarterback stepping in for Moline, uh, should be. He was a quarterback last year, sharing time at Alleman. So that's a big get for Moline. Moline also returns a trio of running backs. They also have, um, I don't know if you've seen the stories, they have a female kicker and Coach mm-hmm. Morrissey believes maybe the best kicker in the conference. So Caroline Hazen returns a kicker. Really cool story. I talked to coach about it a few weeks ago. Um, Also, they now have several other female kickers in the JV team, JV and freshman ranks. So, you know, talk about being influential on, you know, in the program. She certainly has been. So that's something that's exciting for the Moline program. Looking on the other side at Rock Island, they, the big thing for them is they have to find a replacement for Davian Wilson. He was a running back that went back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. You know, he's gone. How do you fill that in? With Coach Hammer, you know, I really feel like Coach Hammer will be able to find the pieces. Each year he's been there, he's increased. He's gone from four wins to five wins to eight in 19. So every year he's increased. Obviously, you can't do that this year on a shortened schedule, but it's all signs of positive momentum. And like we've said, Rock Island feels like they're right on the verge of being the top team in the Western Big Six. So can this spring season be a springboard for them looking down the road into the fall? And man, what a better way to kick it off than to knock off your rival in Moline. So that's certainly a great way to start. Mitch, I guess the question is, can you watch a game? Are you going to be watching one of these games? Where's your head go? I think, I think I saw somewhere that the, the Lena Princeton game is going to be streamed. Um, and I hope that that is true. Yeah. Uh, if not, we'll, if not, we'll find uh, another Avenue, but that, and, and 
no offense to any other teams, but this is this is a one versus a two, uh, in, in regardless of class. Uh, but that's that's where my eyes are going to be to see where those teams are at and how they're really going to attack this spring season. Yeah, I agree. That's that's where my head went to as soon as I saw that. You know, I thought. I got to see that game. I think it's just the intriguing matchup between classes. You know, mm-hmm. when a 1A team, a very good 1A program, steps up and has the opportunity to go up a, against a really good 3A, that's like fantasy schedule making. You know, we yeah. always think like, what if this could happen? And here we are. And it did. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's going to be very exciting. That's a game that I'm sure we'll both watch and I'm sure we'll yep. talk about, uh, you know, in the, in the week or the weeks to come. So yeah. lots of exciting stuff. Mitch, thank you so much for being in here. This week we took the uniform, we took a uniform break. Next week we're coming back and we're talking about the Lincoln Trail Conference. Mm-hmm. So start studying up, get your notes ready, get all ready. We're going to have a Lincoln Trail full uniform breakdown. And also, you can also check out the Western Big Six breakdown and the Three Rivers Athletic Conference breakdown are also available in previous podcasts and they're on our YouTube channel, View from the West. You can see the, the visual portion of it which gives you you know the looks at the uniforms I think is much more effective so yeah yep so we'll have uh we'll have a good talk about that conference next week and then we'll have game game recaps and, and game results for the first time so that's next uh next week will be an exciting episode definitely going to be exciting we're here I can't believe we're here yep. like, we're talking about real games it felt like yep. forever you know and it, it was kind of forever in some right. aspects but uh so Mitch thank you so much for being here And let's uh, jump into an interview with uh, Dan Pearson. Welcome back to the second half of the View from the West podcast. I'm joined now by one of my favorite people of all time. Definitely one of my favorite people I worked with, covered high school football. Dan Pearson, former sports reporter for KWQC in the Quad Cities, now working for FCA. Dan Pearson, good to see you. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. I feel like I should... uh hand you a sheet that says uh, you're starting in Columbus Junction, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, not to get ahead of ourselves, but man, the biggest compliment I think I ever got was when you started asking me, like, where do you think we should go this week? What do you think we should do on Friday night? And I was like, well, I don't know. You've been doing that. You know what you're doing, but it was that trust. I I loved having that. So anyway, we'll we'll get right into it. You grew up in Geneseo, still living in Geneseo, doing FCA. Is that where it all started? Like the love for sports? I think we've kind of talked about it, but Geneseo is a big sports community and football certainly is part of that. Is that where it all kind of grew from? Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's very uh, kind of relational because uh, I have five brothers and then I had a couple of cousins who were really good football players and kind of how Geneseo's football grew into the power it was in the sixties and seventies was uh, they created youth football. And my dad was on the committee that created that in the fifties. And then all of that, kind of timed out perfectly with Bob Reed coming around and like I can like uh, people ask me you know it's like how did you fall in love with this well you go to the game every Friday and like my Geneseo from the time I was five until I was like 11 they didn't lose a football game (laughs) so it was kind of like well this is this is so this is how it works right and I remember like when I was really little I like I couldn't go to every game like you know my mom didn't want to go or whatever and I'd listen out the, the door at about uh, 20 till uh, 10 to see if I could hear the victory bell to make sure they won. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard it a lot. You heard it plenty. Yeah, earlier, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you went to college. You're wearing the Bradley, uh, the Bradley sweatshirt there. So you went to college at Bradley, worked in Springfield and Peoria, and then yep. got back to KWQC in Davenport, Iowa, in the Quad Cities. 
and that was 1987. And right. when did when did the Highlight Zone start after that? How many how long were you there before you kind of got things up and rolling? Yeah, I was lobbying for it, uh, probably starting in 1990, and then uh, it kind of happened, you know. And like I was thinking about it when I worked in Peoria right out of college, and got shot down there, got shot down in Springfield because of the staff it would take. Yeah. And so it was ironic because the summer before the Highlight Zone, we had this consultant come in from uh, Connecticut and said, we're cutting sports at two and a half, and that includes Friday nights. So, what? <laughs> you know, and I was obsessed with high school sports and high school football. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was, pro- it was a Friday night, and Paula was doing Friday nights, and Tom Cornelis yeah. stepped away from Friday so he could watch his kids compete, and I handed her a sheet. Hey, Paula, why don't you make the call in this game? And then within two weeks, this uh, shoe company up in Milwaukee – said, uh, we'll write you a check for $80,000 if you put our logo at the bottom of the scoreboards. And so we were doing 15 minutes that year and then 20 minutes from then on. So I guess, yeah, we should, you know, go back for people who aren't necessarily in the Quad Cities area or outside of the area. Um, the Highlight Zone was a Friday night, inst- still is a Friday night institution in the Quad Cities. And it was, you know, high school football, high school basketball highlights every Friday night. But I think, and you'll explain it, uh, you know, I'll ask you about it, but you made it bigger than that, or you made it more than that. And it was more of a community event or there were student sections involved and there were, you know, it wasn't just a sports anchor reading sports highlights. It was the weatherman reading some highlights and then the news anchors reading some highlights. And what inspired this? Where did the idea come from the concept? You said you'd thought about it before you got to the quad cities. What led into kind of everything that has become the highlight zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like back then it was like it was new and fresh because nobody was really covering four games a night, let alone 18 games or whatever. And so, you know, you talk about it with your boss, your news director, and it's like, well, how, how are you going to bring these people in? And so what I've learned through the years in anything is you got to double up. You know, so for me, it's like the big thing was like you and I, we're going to watch no matter what because we love high school sports, but you got to find the person that, hey, uh, that kid over in the stands is holding a microphone and the camera's in front of him. To me, it's like that was the thing that hooked everybody was the kid is a hero on Monday because they saw him on the highlights on Friday night and having the, the anchors and the weather guys. And, like, we'd bring in state senators, and <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. And it was like, you know, you know, it took a lot of pushback. Like, I had somebody – tell me it's like well this has kind of run its course you might want to do not want to do this anymore and then you know it went on decades it's still going on obviously yeah and I, I think that there's something to be said about you know all that because I think that you know that draws in the you know the grandma who wants to see her grandson whether it's playing football or whether he's in the band or whether she's a cheerleader or however the, the students are involved they may not care at all about football yep. but if they have the thought that their son might be on because they went to the game that you're bringing them in, you're bringing in viewers and you're really incorporating it into this community event. Is that what it was for you? I mean, I think that's what I took away from you from working with you was that, man, it's so much more than, you know, the hundred yards of a football field. It's just, it's the people that are there and it's the energy that is there in a small community that you, it's hard to replicate. It is. And you know, then it, you know, you have to sustain it is a thing like the novelty of Terry Swales, you make the call, can only last for so long. Yeah. You know, so like it's funny that you mentioned, well, the grand, grandmothers and grandfathers are 
looking for their grandchildren on Friday night. They're hustling home. They leave the game before the game's even over. <laughs> and then funny thing is, as soon as you started talking about it, like that, Mary from Monmouth Ward. Oh, then we went after the grandparents, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were so, so many faces, so many people that we, you know, joke about seeing. And you knew you'd run into so-and-so at this game or that game. And I, I love that stuff. I mean, I think you do, too. Yeah, and it kind of got to the point where, you know, the first couple of years, really, it's like, you want me to do what? And then it became, they'd call ahead of time or tackle you as you walked into the <laughs> stadium, like, can I do the highlight zone? You know, and yeah. eyes in the face and all, all that stuff it was great. Or, or the inevitable, your favorite, is when you walk in and somebody says, oh, I can't wait. I want to be on. I want to be on. And then you say, okay, let's do it. And they go, oh, geez, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and they get so scared they don't want to be on camera anymore. So, you know. Yeah, but, and it's uh, – it became kind of part of the culture Friday. And like, I, you know, I know there's been other markets started doing it and a couple of them even call it the highlight zone. And yeah, you know, so it's very flattering and to see it still, you know, kind of in operation now with uh, like how all the stations do it now, like they really get after it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, what does that mean to you to see, you know, channel six still, you know, KWQC still doing the highlight zone. It's still a very similar product. You know, Sharon Derek is still reading highlights. She was reading when you were, you know, doing it, but then you look across the river and WQAD, the ABC station has Matt Randazzo who interned for you has Corey Cuffler who worked alongside of both of us. So like, that's a direct line from, you know, kind of what you started that continues now. And they've really, when you look at their product over at channel eight, I think they've really taken it to even the next level where they're getting in the locker room and they're, you know, doing something on their morning show to hype the night, you know, the nighttime. And they've done a lot of different things that incorporate so much into making it an event and into making it that, you know, that energy filled community, you know, thing that we love. What's it mean to you to see that carry on like that? You know, it's really affirming, you know, that like, this crazy idea that was on an island somewhere <laughs> 30 years ago has blown up and those guys bought into it. And, you know, for me, as I, as I watch them, I think that was probably like next steps anyway, like the, to go till 11 o'clock. And like, I mean, I even had a name for the show that we were going to, I said, let's, let's do an extra half hour, you know, on the internet. And I, it was going to be the point after. Yeah, you know, I remember so, we talked about that forever. I remember that. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I was like, why don't we just call the coaches? Well, we have all their cell phone numbers anyway, put up a, their face, you know, before that, you know, I mean, their the Zoom was what's Zoom, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and those guys have really kind of kept me engaged. I'll get a call every once in a while. What do you think, you know, about this? And I still, you know, shoot a little bit for them. And I, I really enjoy it to, to, to see, you know, that it's, it's a big deal. And the reason why a lot of it, again, like it flourishes, and it goes way back to the 50s and 60s, football was the only thing on Friday night. And it kind of still is. Friday nights are reserved for that celebration. And if there's anything we can do to, uh, to make it a positive thing, that's, that's kind of what we were after. And it took, like I said, it took on a life of its own. It opened up a lot of doors for me personally, too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, so, you know, we've talked about kind of what the Highlight Zone is and, you know, what it was when you started – and we've talked about that energy and that adrenaline that goes into a Friday night. Obviously, the football players feel it. They're, they're playing the games. That's why we're doing this. Coaches certainly feel it. I think the parents who are nervously watching their kids in whatever activity they're doing feel it. But for you, tell me about, and you know, I, I get it too, because I've been in you know, local media and covering football games on a Friday. There's something unique about what we're doing too. 
can you describe kind of the energy, the adrenaline that goes into that, you know, going to two or three games on a Friday night, you got to get highlights in X amount of time. You got to get to the next game pretty efficiently. We're not talking about speeding, but you know, (laughs) go the right route. Don't get lost. And then getting, you know, in the old days before, you know, now before we were doing at FCA, the time crunch of getting back and getting script written, edited, getting final scores in for people who don't see it, give somebody a, a look into it if you can if you even oh, describe uh, the chaos of what it is well and back then it was like you couldn't you know you couldn't feed through wi-fi or anything you had to get back to the station absolutely yeah like if you took the live truck out you know and that always ended in disaster <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know i can remember uh, like getting scores was horrific at times you know i can remember yeah. calling whitey's <laughs> was anybody at the game was anyone at the you know and uh, to get to right next door to browning field so they yeah would know. exactly yeah. and then we'd call like spudleys in cambridge and <laughs> you know it's like just make up a score did they win <laughs> yeah you know so so the science of it wasn't probably as, as <laughs> tight as it is right now but uh you know we were uber organized and i'd say it really um had symmetry with what coaches were going through because i mean i remember starting to work on it the saturday night after the 10 30 show sure you know figuring out what games and listing them out and all that and then trying to have most of it done by tuesday and um at that time i feel like the guys get great support with staff photographers i had to lobby to hard to get the photographers and we didn't have quite as many but i mean i mean there were a couple times we hit we got 23 games on and of course uh, then Wanda from Wapolo called and said, how come you didn't have our game? <laughs> <laughs> She's always giving you heck, I think. Yeah, but I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm kind of the mayor of Wapolo. So yeah, I... That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it would start, you know, almost a week in advance. You know, as soon as Friday night's over, you start looking at what games are next. And it was always the process of, okay, so Stark County's playing at home, and they start at seven. And then you can go to Weathersfield, and they'll be playing. And, you know, maybe you could still get to Kiwani because they won't start till 7.30, 7.45. So I don't think people understand. Like, when they see you at a game, they, that's not the only one you're covering. I, they know for you. Some people they don't know. But, you know, yeah. it, there's so much more into it than just going to one game and getting highlights and leisurely driving back and, you know, eating your ice cream and having a good time. It's, it's, it's the chaos. But what was it like trying to coordinate? You know, like you said, you got to have, what, six photographers if we were lucky back then? Yeah. Yeah. And that involves, do they have a car to drive? Do they have camera equipment? Do they need a microphone to go with them? Like, and you had to kind of have all that stuff set up. You know, it's, it was a lot, wasn't it? It was. And like, how come you guys always cover the Lincoln Trail? Because they started seven. That was an <laughs> yeah. early game. And so like, I can remember like thinking and like you research, is it senior night? Is it whatever? Because yeah. holy cow, they're, they're, it might be 820. So you got to time things out. You work your way back. And, you know, I can remember... One time, when uh, a former general manager and his wife, hey, I want to go out on the highlight zone and see what it's like. And they went with Hank Strunk, who's okay. just a legend yeah. of the highlight zone, and his wife, Sarah. <clears throat> and I remember they, they did it like from Rock Falls to Erie or something. And Hank's like, oh, this game started late. And I remember he stuffed uh, uh, like a, he wadded up a, uh, some paper from his notebook and stuffed it where the speedometer was. So the general manager couldn't see it, you know. So, yeah. so, I mean, there's just a lot of little factors and, you know, begging people to call on the score, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, and like you do, you pray and it's like, you know, I, please so 
give me a 25 yard run to the one and punch it in. And yeah, you know, so you get those three and I, like you guys always used to give me a lot of grief about Pearsonitis. They called it. <laughs> I, would, I would stay way too late on that. I mean, there were a couple of times I rolled in at five after 10 and I'm like, this isn't worth it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it's one thing It's one thing for me to roll in at five after 10, and all I got to do is get the script and the video to you. You had to be on the air and ready to present said highlights. So, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, the, the Pearsonitis, was, it, it was real. It was very yeah, real. It was, uh, I can remember walking out on the set so many times that four tapes weren't done, you oh, know, and it's yeah. one minute before we go. And, I mean, it kind of was testament to the staff we had. Like, I've... I found an old uh, zone. It was on a VHS tape when we were moving my uh, mother-in-law and it, it worked. I popped it in and it's like, holy cow, the quality of the photography, yeah, everything just sang, you know, it was probably, I don't know what year it was, but like Ross Farrell was one of the shooters, yep. but it was, yep. uh, it was just flawless. You know, you didn't really realize, you know, how great it was. And the, the, the important part was surrounding yourself with great people. And for me, there were times when I thought, the show wasn't necessarily the most important part every week. It's what happened after. Like we all, all of us jam into an edit booth and just belittle each other. And, you know, like, Oh, we beat those guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah. Cramming in there and re rewatching what we just put out there. Cause I think you get, you get so sucked into the show or getting your part on that you miss half the show. You don't even see yeah. what else happened. So that was always great. And what you never saw in the back end, So you'd run on the set and be ready to be on camera and behind the scenes you knew there were three four tapes that weren't ready yet and you know those old beta deck tapes and there had that that hard flooring that was a straight shot from the edit bay <laughs> down to the studio and we would just in a in a time crunch we wouldn't even run it we would just slide the tape down the floor and somebody else would be waiting there like a shortstop to scoop it up and go run it into a tape deck so that's you know it's that was much more thrilling than now all you do is hit an in export button and you watch this little meter go up from, you know, I, 50 to 75 to a hundred. This, this was way more real, way more exciting, uh, you know, physical work that you, that we were doing. So we have to, if we're going to get into Friday nights and you mentioned getting scores called in, I need you to do your best to describe Brian stocking. There is, there is a man, I think in any, in any good, in any good business, in any good, you know, professional venture, there's somebody behind the scenes doing the, doing some of the grunt work. And man, that was Brian stocking. He still does it for channel eight. He's moved over there now and helping those guys, but where all of us want to go to a game and walk the sidelines, talk to people, you know, be out and about Brian stocking wants to sit in the command module, the as command he calls module. it. That's right. That's He's right. got three computer monitors in front of him. He's got his, well, now his phone, he didn't have a smartphone back then. But man, he's got a Rolodex worth of phone numbers. And I think Brian Stocking was probably calling people's like home phone numbers at like 1030 at night trying to get scores. He's probably waking up somebody trying to get scores at that time. But yeah. tell me about Brian Stocking. Yeah, and he just kind of burst into my life. <laughs> <laughs> Summer of uh, like his junior or senior year at Iowa State, he decided he wanted to intern. And like he got through the whole internship. And he said, Brian, you know, what do you want to do with this? You know, and it's like, what's your mate, my, my mate, your major? It's history. It's like, why are you interning <laughs> with us? And so we eventually, you know, got him back. You know, he was very helpful and, you know, obsessed with scores, you know. And yeah. then he became obsessed with the, the bottom line, the third, the lower third to put oh, in a nugget. Did and he we ever? call it gold or fool's gold. <laughs> 
He had some stats on that bottom line that were ridiculous. Exactly. Ridiculous. He still does. He still does. Yeah. But, you know, I remember uh, deleting so many of them. It's like, I got to be on in 45 seconds. Like, no, like one of, they might be um, assumption outscores Davenport West 35 to 28 in the second half. It's yeah. like, that's not a stat, you know? That's, yeah. Yeah. But You're he just was basically just, giving the final score in another way. <laughs> exactly. And so he was just gold, you know, he is always dependable and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he's a unique character. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, who is this guy? What's he all about? But, you know, once he became such a strong part of the team, everybody on the team will defend him to the death, you know, like because so valued and so fun. And um, just uh, this is sports is his world. Like we were joking earlier, like you remember – my house here, we, we watch bowl games. Yeah. He, he could run down the scores of any bowl for the last 25 years, you know. So <laughs> that's his love language. And I think, like, the Friday nights have become, you know, just his thing. It beca- it's become like a, a point of uh, uh, tucking points throughout the week for him, too. And, you know, he, he works in the Davenport schools. So, yep. you know, we use that. You know, we get story ideas from him and stuff like that, too. But he would uh, – you know, get in there at three o'clock about four hours earlier than he needed to be and yes. you know, eat his Twinkie and his like shadow sandwich <laughs> and Smarties on each side yeah. of his tongue. And, <laughs> but uh, he's invaluable. And, uh, you know, we've all remained friends with him, you know, and that's, that's been the beauty, I think, too. And just, people would be shocked at just the scope of what was going on with Stockpile right in the middle of it. It's, it's unbelievable when you start talking to him about numbers. I mean, he's, he's a numbers guy. He's a, yeah. he's a stats guy. And uh, he, he just, yeah, his recall of scores and all, and, and going, he's a history mate. Like you said, he's a history buff too. So he'll, he'll be certain to remind you of like, you know, the greatest team of all time was the 1912, whatever. It's like, how do you don't know that? Not even video exists to prove that this team was that good, but he'll, he'll insist, you know, forever. But I think, when he was at Channel 6, I think it was two book bags and a briefcase. We might have now increased to three full book bags and a briefcase full of notebooks, note cards. He, I mean, the internet exists to him, but not in this way. He doesn't need it for <laughs> schedules. He writes down all the schedules himself. He keeps them all handwritten. It's just, like you said, he's a character. You, you can find him at, at Brian Stocking on Twitter. And uh, yes. he... he he sends out a lot of scores, a lot of information. Um, some of his sports takes are historically bad, but you know, that's, that's that. a part of it. That's all part. Yeah. Of it. Cause we always had a contest, the games that we covered, we would predict who would win. And every week it was North beating Bettendorf when Bettendorf had eight all Americans. on the <laughs> team. And that's part of him is he's almost painfully loyal, you know, yes, and he was loyal indeed. to us and you know, our friendships and, Yep. You know, just, uh, I mean, he was just a, that guy we could, we could really count on, you know, and it's just like, he's still passionate about it. And, you know, it's uh, he's found his niche, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I would be in trouble here if I didn't reference the name Nick Bull. Nick Bull. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I started at channel six as a news photographer in the mornings, he was the other morning photographer and I wanted to do sports. He loves sports. He grew up in Alito, played for the Alito Green Dragons. He loves high school football. That's one of those guys that 
that's kind of what made the zone, right? I mean, because here's a guy who loves high school football. He gets it, you know, for lack of a better term, he gets it. He knows what's going on. And how valuable were, was he and other people like him to have that kind of staff and that trust? Yeah, and it's kind of like you could always count on him. And he was the guy that wanted to do the small schools, too. Yep. So I loved it. And we'd send him way out, and he'd work his way back and stuff. And, you know, he, he kind of created this high competition between all of us. <laughs> Who shoots the best vid yes. and, and uh, yeah. you know, highlight, sports highlights. And it became part of how we became excellent, I think, bully you know, sharpened all of us in a lot of ways. And he was hilarious. So yeah. he'd do anything on camera. And like, <laughs> like even like Mary, you know, he kind of nurtured that all along. And so anytime Mary was at a game, she was going to be on. Yes. Mary uh, from United, uh, yeah. a classic character. Yeah. And so, you know, and that it carried over like into the playoffs, everything you know, with all you guys. And like, you know, Nick was one of those guys that uh, he offered great input too and I remember like we talked about Bross Farrell briefly yeah. and I remember he had like a quote in the paper one time he said we'd do this for free <laughs> no we wouldn't yeah. want to get paid overtime yeah you know so I think that's that was part of it that you know we had key guys who kind of nurtured that along that this is important there's 110,000 people watching us on a Friday night and it is important how we present it and stay positive those kind of things and that was Nick and now Nick you know, his kids are on the cusp of uh, about to be high school athletes. Yeah. Yep. So, so he, I think that's something that's entrenched in him as well, that, you know, where high school sports, sports in general needs to stand. And that's, that was like the people of uh, our team just second to none. Like I always consider myself blessed to be in that window where people got it. Like yeah. you said, you know, like, and I don't want to name everybody's names because I'll forget somebody, but it was, it was always a pleasure to be able to hand off the scripts and stuff and no whining, you know, I mean, there were a couple <laughs> photographers who clearly didn't want to do it, but you know, you'd have to pump them up. So the key was relationship and knowing how to handle people and building rapport with people. But I mean, Nick, you, all those, Corey, those, you guys were easy because you wanted to be there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, the, the competition that, you know, maybe, maybe Nick Bull inspired that competition, but that was fun. I mean, we, we pushed each other to like be the best videographer on there on a Friday night. I mean, it, it was, you know, we were serious business about wanting to look and have those. And I, I still remember, you know, getting a highlight. And the first thing I thought about was not necessarily that I was going to, you know, have this highlight to put on the air and it would look great. No, I'd come back because I knew I wanted to show you and cuff and, and bully, you know, like I wanted to make sure you saw the highlight that I just shot. So that was, that was fun times. Those were fun yeah. times. I think like one of the great lines, I think it was Ross Farrow too. It was like, it, was. it might've been you, right? It was, yeah. Like, hey, does the Zoom work on your camera or not? <laughs> yeah. That was, so that was my first year. And man, it was like two or three <laughs> weeks in and like, I kind of realized what the highlight zone was. And I was so into it, having a great time. And I, you know, I'd come from, I was a year out of college and I felt like what I learned in college, I was pretty good. Like I was pretty confident and I came back and I'm like yeah really Ross I'd really like for you to look at my stuff and like you know the veteran photographer like tell me what you know how it looks and in my head I'm thinking like I'm gonna get some compliments like he's gonna he's gonna think it's pretty good because compared to other new guys you know and then the first thing he says was yeah this looks good but is a zoom broke on that camera so clearly I didn't I didn't have it quite yet but uh yeah, I was getting I gotta, there yeah I gotta mention the bully story too where you know, we would always send him to Alito, you know, which was great. 
Sure. And, and they would score 42 points in a quarter and a half. Yeah. And one week he came back and I said, hey, boy, I can't wait to see yourself. I heard there were three touchdowns over 60 yards, and we didn't see him. But he showed a couple seven-yard touchdown <laughs> runs. And I'm like, where's the seven? Well, I really wasn't on that all that well. Yes. So like you've always joked. There's some 35-year-old father of three still waiting to see those highlights. <laughs> because it's buried in the editing room floor. Exactly. Because, you know, I won't name the schools, but it's like, man, this poor school, they scored one <laughs> touchdown in the first quarter against Alito, but no one will ever see it because Bully didn't have it perfect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, let's, you know, let's look at – I still feel like it's your new job, but it's not. You've been at FCA for 10 years now, more, more ten than years. 10 years. It'll be 10 years this summer, yep. So talk a little bit about, I think, you know, a lot of people know what you do, but you're still doing, uh, you know, some weekly stories and uh, tell me what it's been like, you know, over that time to transition now. I mean, it's not even a transition now in this role and being able to still cover high school sports, but with a different kind of viewpoint, a different light to it. Yeah, it's been a total blessing where the, you know, that was kind of the vision I think God placed on me to mix media with ministry and the huge advantage that I had when I first came on staff. I knew every coach, you know, I knew where every school, I'd been to every school a million times. And so that opened up a lot of doors. And so the stories I do, you know, 95% of them are not Jesus-y, you know, (laughs) they're, they're just stories foot in the door, you know, like I'm here to serve you and to help you with your program. And the big difference for me is, you know, I'm not there 20 minutes and have to hustle back to the station. I'll, I'll shoot the story and then sit down with the coach or whatever. And like, to me, it showed me that, that first kind of two thirds of my career set me up for the last third of my working life, I guess, in ministry. And I always wanted to be very careful. So it was a calling, not just a job, because that's, that's a big deal. And the similarities are that like working for somebody like FCA, it's a lifestyle, just like being in TV was. So, you know, we've had, we exploded from like 25 huddles to 105 in two years. And so, um, we got to the point where that sounds great, but we're not serving them well because we need more staff. Mm-hmm. And so the media part of it, doing stories, stuff like that, has been uh, just a great way to connect with coaches and, and players and do like, like you've helped us out with our banquets and stuff. Yep. That it, it, it fits into what TV is, you know, after some, a great story or something, you do a proof of performance, you know, and that's what our banquets are, you know, to have compiled sound bites with kids glorifying Christ and things like that and showing them at a huddle at 630 in the morning before school starts. And it's the same kid who's rushed for 1500 yards, you know, so that's, that's been really good. And we're, we're laser focused on coaches and athletes. Now, what can non-athletes be in? Yeah, well, you might not enjoy it as that much because it's definitely sports focus, all the lessons, things like that. But, you know, with you and I, like we are probably more focused on, those smaller schools and those communities. And so FCA is big in a lot of those communities because the game, the kids are at the games. And so they want to be around the, the players and like, heck yeah, come on, be involved with that. So, you know, it's been fun to, to keep my hand on it. And like the technology has changed quite a bit in 10 years. So I've had to kind of stay in tune with that. I got two cameras now. So I'm going to have an intern this summer, yeah. you know, so try to teach somebody how to put a story together and things like, and I, like, I love the storytelling, but I don't miss, like, producing and anchoring and, you know, things like that, that just the, that game. I loved the rush on Friday nights, don't get me 
And yeah. like Bully said, you know, it's like people would always ask me, hey, you know, uh, how's it going? I said, oh, I, I think we're good. You know, Channel 8 does a good job. This is when I was working. And Bully said, no, we are by state uh, state <laughs> champions undefeated for 21 years. And Bully, there was at least one Friday night that we lost. You know, so. <laughs> so, but it's been great to be involved and to, um, to tie that part in. But, you know, that's probably about 5% of what I do you know, for FCA, but it certainly is the most visible part of it. And to be able to have a story on the ABC affiliate every week is humongous, you know, with the, our logo, everything. All right, Pierce. Well, you know, talk about like everybody, you know, COVID's affected kind of everybody's work life. How, how has it affected you? I mean, the, the high school sports essentially went away for quite a while and now they're slowly coming back and, you know, you're getting more activity, but What's it been like, you know, kind of getting through this and figuring out what to cover? Yeah, it's been uh, interesting because, like, FCA has really thrived through it because coaches have time. And so we actually have more coaches and Bible studies now through Zoom. You know, so that's been unbelievable to me. And, uh, you know, so that's something that um, we had to get creative with. And, like, even FCA, like, our headquarters are in Kansas City, uh, but we're a global ministry and they, they um, created a lot of webinars for us as we move into this next phase of who we are, you know, um, to, to be a, a ministry of um, discipleship multiplication. You know, so we call it the E3, you know, engage, equip, and empower coaches. So we've actually had time to do that and to get trained that way. So that's been neat. And a lot of coaches, athletes have been really receptive to meeting that way. You know, but, I mean, there's a handful of huddles that still, you know, uh, they, they meet, they wear their masks and stuff. So I really commend uh, those teenagers because they're just beaten up. They are just beaten up. But they, they've really wanted to, uh, to, to gather together, and they're really hungry for God's word, things like that. And, and so it's been an interesting study, I will say, to, in conversations I've had with a lot of 15- and 16-year-olds where it's real depression and yeah and those kind of yeah. things too and now like you said we're we're kind of coming out of it you know and now it's um you know a lot of coaches a lot of athletes are like we're going to come out better and that's something that they will be remembered for themselves by other people like even like like graduations last year you know they were parades yeah you know, they found a way yeah. and that's one thing that i love that we've really found ways to adjust and the fca is definitely done that and really proud to work for an organization like that. So talk about, um, you have a banquet coming up, you know, your annual banquet, and certainly that's going to take a different form this year, like most things have over the past year. So what, you know, give me some of the details on the upcoming FCA banquet. Yeah, it's going to be virtual. And at the last minute, we made it virtual last year. We thought, oh, maybe we can do it because it was so, you know, uncertain of what uh, COVID was going to do. And holy cow. You know, and then, like, I used to cover Iowa was part of my coverage area yep. for FCA. Now I'm all Illinois, and I have picked up Peoria, the ten, or the seven counties down there, and I have the ten here, three rivers, and that is inspired by the Three Rivers Conference. I like it. As Mitch Stormer would say, the track eight. Let's get it, you know, historically accurate. Mitch eight, Stormer would right. call it the track eight. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a quiz uh, that you have to answer by the end here as I close it out. <laughs> the three rivers are what? For, for us, the three oh. rivers are what? But anyway, okay. the virtual banquet, you might not get the last one. The, the virtual banquet will be like our staff, our board, celebrating what we've been able to do, you know, how God's really moved us 
through FCA, the materials, the resources, co committed coaches, and athletes, and then what's coming up next. So we are to the point now where we're going to try to raise $120,000 to provide seed money for our, of what's coming next. We want to hire about five people in the next year or two. So in both places, Peoria and here. So, so that's our, that's our next steps. And that'll come out in April. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little help. You'll do a little help with the, the banquet in Iowa, but in Illinois, that's what we're doing. And uh, I've got a great board and a great staff who, who gets it. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, we've created this team who understands it and that's the key. And that's like, you know, a guy that really inspired me a lot, Bob Reed, you know, God rest his soul. Yeah. He's like, that's the number one surround yourself with great people, you know, and that's, so that will hopefully be on display on, in that video coming out in April. Great. Great. Tell people um, who don't know where, where they can go to find information about fellowship of Christian athletes and especially, you know, your area specifically for people who are on the Western side of the state of Illinois. Yep, we're just freeriversfca.org. And then if you, uh, peoriafca.org as well. Okay. So, and that's like, for me, it's like <laughs> the Peoria thing. That's, I'm really excited. You know, I love, be, you know, being a Quad City guy and all that. But to go back to my alma mater, you know, I mean, I want revival on our campus, you know, and it's kind of, so that, that component is exciting for me. So we'll eventually move to Peoria, Gina. Gina's got one more year of teaching. And so we'll become Peoria, but still serve here too, in a lot of ways. So. Great. Great. Is that like the breaking news we're getting out of this podcast is uh, the Pearsons are packing up and headed to Peoria. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's out there, but looking yeah. for a house, you know, so we might be Eagles. We're uh, leaning towards living in Dunlap. So, Oh, there you go. That's All where right. uh, we actually had an, a Dunlap address when we first got married. And I remember, cause I was working at channel 19 there yeah and they only had like 200 um students wow and so they were playing princeville and <laughs> then last year i covered them playing rock island in the, in the football <laughs> playoff you have 1400 students you know so it's just uh, amazing how it's grown out there well you know to kind of tie up the fellowship of christian athletes discussion i just i always think it's really cool to watch your videos and to see high school athletes that you know, have that good moral compass, you know, they're, they're rooted in their faith. And on top of it, they, they are good athletes, or they excel in their, you know, in their given sport or their given activity. It's good to see good stories from, you know, good, you know, young students. Yeah, and it's kind of like, when you talk to coaches, it's kind of like, you know, you work on offense and defense, like FCA and spirituality, that's special teams, you know, yeah, and that yeah. does factor into the game. And I always, it always bothered me, like a some like sports reporters, like if a kid or a coach would bring up, thank God, you know, uh, we praise God that, that he's put us in this position. He didn't make us a win or anything like that. Like they wouldn't use that sound bite. You know, and I'm kind of like, if that's a factor in their lives, what's the big deal, you know? So, I mean, if, if, if that's helped create them to become the athlete they are, you know, who are we to say, to, to edit that out, you know? Yeah, certainly. Well, keep up the good work. I know, you know, like me and a lot of other people listening, they've, they've seen the stories and they, you know, they've seen it all and it's, it's great stuff. Are you still doing a story weekly on WQAD? Yep. Yep. And then uh, like, I'll, I'll probably start shooting. I'm, I've kind of taken about three weeks off from shooting for them and I'm going to uh, highlights and stuff, Yep. but I'll probably crank that up in here again. So remember, you got to give me the three rivers too, before you sign off. All right. All right. Well, give me, give me a second to rack my brain, but now I got to quiz you. We're going no huddle here at the oh, end. Yeah. I need okay. 
the top three venues that you want to go to watch high school football. Okay. I gave you, I gave you three. So, you know, you have some options here. Where are you going? Where's Dan Pearson going? I would, uh, and it might be a shock the nation one. Okay. It might be number three, Metamora. Okay. I've never Metamora. been. Oh, you would love it. It's just plush. Yeah. There. So I'm looking forward to hitting a few games there. John, John Schlemmer, uh, Sterling head coach is a Metamora grad. He's a Metamora guy. So he'll like to hear that. <laughs> exactly. And then I don't know if you remember, uh, Joe Ryan would be Pat Ryan's little brother. Yep. He's a Sycamore. Yep. When he was at Princeton. He's like, I know you. Really? <laughs> I said, uh, I, he said, you did a story on, on me. And I said, are you a Metamora guy? Yeah. He was the place kick holder um, for a foreign exchange student. I did a story on like in 1986. I said, oh, tell me you're probably 30 and have three kids now. Absolutely. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, um, I like, uh, I mean, I like, I like Geneseo, you know, especially yeah. with what they've done. And uh, I would have to say, like I said, I do. I mean, I love Rocky Stadium like that, but Sterling, okay, yeah, probably my number one. You know, and it's yeah, because they're good at everything and the band, everything. That's just like they know exactly what they're doing, minute to minute to minute. You know, I would say that's true in Geneseo and true in in Metamore. But gosh, the scene of the school and holy cow, and the coaching staff is so cool and everything. Yeah, when you walk up, when you walk up to a game, whether it's Friday night or a Saturday morning in the playoffs, it just when then, when that, like you said, you hear the drums and you hear the, you know, the, the video board that they got and, and, and just the, the backdrop of the school, like it just feels big time. It just feels like an event that you want to be at. You know, it's just, that's a lot of fun. All right. That, those are good ones. Who are, who were your favorite coaches to interview over the years? Oh, oh. this can be, you can start na- dropping a bunch of names. I won't limit you on okay. this one. Um, Vic Boblet. Yep. Dan McGuire coached at Moline. Okay. He was always great. Um, Mike Tracy. Everybody in the Western Big Six was really unique, and they were characters, you know. Yeah. So, Cully Walter was always good. And I remember, like, like uh, right before he was leaving, we figured out that they had a baby every time they advanced at least to the semifinals. So we're <laughs> like, this could be a big year because his life is like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sterling had a guy, Max Gomer, who was hilarious. Um, there's a guy, um, he was the Anawan coach many years ago, Jim Frankenreiter, okay. who uh, was posthumously put into the Coaches Hall of Fame. Um, shoot. Who was – so many. Who was um, – Who was Weathersfield's – yeah. yep. Who was Weathersfield's head coach when they won the state championship? And you've told me this story so many times, and it might be like my favorite quote of, of any like football moment. Take, talk about that moment. Cause it, it's great. I love this yeah, story. It was uh, Tom Buck. Okay. Was him and he's uh, Tom Buck probably weighed a buck 40, you know? <laughs> so he was like, and you're the head football coach and they were good, but they weren't, they didn't look state championship good to me. Yeah, and I don't think they did to him either. <laughs> and so they start winning games and stuff, and then they, they, uh, they make it a state championship, and they won. And it was like, and I some I got, of course, got in his face with the camera, you know, and, and he kind of looked at me and just said, "Good Lord, what have we done here?" You know, <laughs> and it was just kind of, it was, it's like we won the state championship, you know. And I saw him, he. Uh, he grabbed me um, probably last, probably two summers ago, 
and hey Dan, Tom Butt from Weatherfield. You know, he's retired now yeah. and everything. I mean, and so we had a great conversation then too. So I mean, like moments like that, you know, are just unbelievable. And it's kind of like like we've talked about Anawan. We always joke, we're from Anawan and we're going to state, you know. And yep. Was that Ryan, Ryan Brown, Brown? Exactly. Yeah. I remember that moment. It too. is Ryan Brown. Yeah. And it was kind of like, like I go back, like when I first started, Rich Woods won the state football championship. And I was like 22 or something like that. And I got to cover him. And they beat Joliet Catholic, like in the state semifinals. Yeah. And Joliet Catholic, that's when Joliet Catholic was really Joliet Catholic. Yeah. And we had a shot of a co- the coaches up above, and they were like, blankety blank. <laughs> We just beat blank and he's totally a Catholic, you know, and it was just like, so moments like that are big. I think. Yeah, yeah you're right. It took some, it took some special <laughs> editing for that one. How huh, to get that one on. It did. And we, it was like a half hour show. And it's like, we have to use it, you know? So. <laughs> All right. The last question, <laughs> your wife, Gina, the hun, the solid backbone uh-huh. of the Pier- the solid backbone of the Pearson family. She's, She's been along for the ride for this crazy high school football ride. And you always joke that, you know, date nights are going to, you know, Stark County to Weathersfield for football. But I'm going to push you. If, if you're going on a real date, where, where are you and Gina going for dinner? Uh, popcorn at Weathersfield. No, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say, like, we're kind of middle of the road, like the Olive Garden, Texas Roadhouse type people. Like, yep. in town here, there's an unbelievable restaurant called The Cellar. So there's yes. a, if there's anything that the Pearsons are celebrating, that's where we go with our kids awesome. and stuff. Yep. So it's, uh, yeah, and that's a big deal. She's definitely a foodie. Like she has a rating system of pork chops of all the, <laughs> all the you know high schools and stuff. And like, okay. nope, don't want popcorn here. So she's very experienced. <laughs> and like when the girls were, my daughters were competing. You know, I used to give her grief because I mean she went to every game. Yeah. And she said, yeah, I'm kind of just eating my way through the NCIC. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Ottawa, Sterling, you know. Yeah. So. The, the, the question is, what would, uh, what would the Hun rate a McRib? Where would that stack in the, uh, in the Pantheon? Well, she'd have to actually uh, take a bite of one <laughs> to make that happen. That'd so. be a tall, a tall task, I suppose. Yeah, that'd be a big ask. Not, she would not do that. She, no. uh, <laughs> we have high regard for McDonald's because we had two daughters, and yeah. we dropped thousands of dollars there. <laughs> yeah. But she, uh, she's like a fish sandwich person there. You know? Okay, so, there you go. All right. But Bully, you know, I mean, she's she respects what Bully had done with those, like, 38 McRibs oh, in, was... in the month of November when Alita won a state title. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, hey, Dan Pearson, that's all I got, man. This was great. Awesome, man. You got, you got the three rivers for me? Let's see. I know the Rock and the Mississippi because those are the two divisional names. But that third one, I know it's been discussed, and I, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, – and a lot of people want to say, because I'm serving Peoria, that it's the Illinois. But, I no, this is the Three Rivers area. Correct, yeah. The Spoon River. Uh, okay, it, yes. It kind of weaves its way longer than I thought, because I, yeah. I wanted to call our area the Three Rivers. I love it, yeah. I love – I do, I love it. And I said, holy cow, i got to find a third river. And so <laughs> – I got my topographical map out. It's like, it's just like Dan Pearson on a Friday night, kind of weaving his way through the counties, you know, so. Yep. And that's uh, that would be a good stockpile lower third gold (laughs) nugget too. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. 
Oh man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a ton of fun. And we'll uh, maybe once football season's over, we'll reconvene and we'll talk about the upcoming, uh, you know, fall season too. And maybe start thinking about playoffs again, you know, which would be great. So. Yeah, I'd love it. You know, I appreciate what you're doing and it's uh, you're adding a lot to the, just the, the football culture and we need to talk about it because we want to celebrate them and keep encouraging kids to participate in whatever sport or extracurricular yep. too. I just always felt like, you know, every time you watch something from around the state, I know Springfield does some good stuff and um, you obviously hear a lot from the Chicago suburbs. And so that was my thing is like, what? Well, I want to give my view, you know, from the Western side of the state here. So let's, let's start a podcast and talk about, we know the great athletes and the coaches and the teams we have here. So let's, you know, get it out there. So it's, it's fun. It's fun to kind of promote this area that I, I think is, we've both enjoyed covering for years. So. Yeah. You're the edgy Tim of Northwest. <laughs> maybe, I hope, but maybe, I hope so. Right. That'd be fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man. All right. A lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. That'll do it for this week's episode of view from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.